Book Number One, Chapter Fifteen of Amelia, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Malone. Amelia by Henry Fielding. Containing Strange Revolutions of Fortune. Booth proceeded thus. This loss, perhaps, madam, you will think had made me miserable enough. But Fortune did not think so. For on the day when my Nancy was to be buried, a courier arrived from Dr. Harrison with a letter in which the doctor acquainted me that he was just come from Mrs. Harris, where he dispatched the express, and earnestly desired me to return the very instant I received his letter, as I valued my Amelia. Though if the daughter, added he, should take after her mother, as most of them do, it will be perhaps wiser in you to stay away. I presently sent for the messenger into my room, and with much difficulty extorted from him that a great squire in his coach and six was come to Mrs. Harris's, and that the whole town said he was shortly to be married to Amelia. I now soon perceived how much superior my love for Amelia was to every other passion. Poor Nancy's idea disappeared in a moment. I quitted the dear lifeless corpse, over which I had shed a thousand tears, left the care of her funeral to others, and posted, I may almost say flew, back to Amelia, and alighted at the doctor's house, as he had desired me in his letter. The good man presently acquainted me with what had happened in my absence. Mr. Winkworth had, it seems, arrived the very day of my departure, with a grand equipage, and without delay had made formal proposals to Mrs. Harris, offering to settle any part of his vast estate, in whatever manner she pleased, on Amelia. These proposals the old lady had, without any deliberation, accepted, and had insisted in the most violent manner on her daughter's compliance, which Amelia had, as peremptorily refused to give, insisting, she was heartily seconded by the doctor, who declared to her, as he now did to me, that we ought as much to be esteemed man and wife as if the ceremony had already passed between us. These remonstrances, the doctor told me, had worked no effect on Mrs. Harris, who still persisted in her avowed resolution of marrying her daughter to Winkworth, whom the doctor had likewise attacked, telling him that he was paying his addresses to another man's wife. But all to no purpose. The young gentleman was too much in love to hearken to any dissuasives. We now entered into a consultation what means to employ. The doctor earnestly protested against any violence to be offered to the person of Winkworth, which, I believe, I had rashly threatened. 
declaring that if I made any attempt of that kind, he would forever abandon my cause. I made him a solemn promise of forbearance. At last he determined to pay another visit to Mrs. Harris, and, if he found her obdurate, he said he thought himself at liberty to join us together without any further consent of the mother, which every parent, he said, had a right to refuse, but not retract when given, unless the party himself, by some conduct of his, gave a reason. The doctor, having made his visit with no better success than before, the matter now debated was how to get possession of Amelia by stratagem, for she was now a closer prisoner than ever, was her mother's bedfellow by night, and never out of her sight by day. While we were deliberating on this point, a wine merchant of the town came to visit the doctor to inform him that he had just bottled off a hogshead of excellent old port, of which he offered to spare him a hamper, saying that he was that day to send in twelve dozen to Mrs. Harris. The doctor now smiled at a conceit which came into his head, and taking me aside, asked me if I had love enough for the young lady to venture into the house in a hamper. I joyfully leapt at the proposal, to which the merchant at the doctor's intercession consented, for I believe, madam, you know the great authority which that worthy Mart had over the whole town. The doctor, moreover, promised to procure a license and to perform the office for us at his house, if I could find any means of conveying Amelia thither. In this hamper, then, I was carried to the house, and deposited in the entry, where I had not lain long before I was again removed and packed up in a cart, in order to be sent five miles into the country, for I heard the orders given as I lay in the entry, and there I likewise heard that Amelia and her mother were to follow me the next morning. I was unloaded from my cart and set down with the rest of the lumber in a great hall. Here I remained above three hours, impatiently waiting for the evening, when I determined to quit a posture which was become very uneasy, and break my prison. But fortune contrived to release me sooner by the following means. The house where I now was had been left in the care of one maid-servant, this faithful creature came into the hall with the footman who had driven the cart. A scene of the highest fondness having passed between them, the fellow proposed, and the maid consented, to open the hamper and drink a bottle together, which they agreed their mistress would hardly miss in such a quantity. They presently began to execute their purpose. They opened the hamper, and to their great surprise discovered the contents. I took an immediate advantage of the consternation which appeared in the countenances of both the servants, and had sufficient presence of mind to improve the knowledge of those secrets to which I was privy. I told them that it entirely depended on their behavior to me whether their mistress should ever be acquainted 
either with what they had done or with what they had intended to do, for that if they would keep my secret I would reciprocally keep theirs. I then acquainted them with my purpose of lying concealed in the house in order to watch an opportunity of obtaining a private interview with Amelia. In the situation in which these two delinquents stood, you may be assured it was not difficult for me to seal up their lips. In short, they agreed to whatever I proposed. I lay that evening in my dear Amelia's bedchamber, and was in the morning conveyed into an old lumber garret, where I was to wait till Amelia, whom the maid promised on her arrival to inform of my place of concealment, could find some opportunity of seeing me. I ask pardon for interrupting you, cries Miss Matthews, but you bring to my remembrance a foolish story which I heard at that time, though at a great distance from you, that an officer had, in confederacy with Miss Harris, broke open her mother's cellar and stole away a great quantity of her wine. I mention it only to show you what sort of foundations most stories have. Booth told her he had learned some such thing himself, and then continued his story as in the next chapter. End of section 15 Recording by Malone